Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome to Growing Your Financial Business, the Woman's Way podcast. It's Robin Crane, and I'm here with Margarita Chang. We like to call her Rita. That's how close we are. Just after like five minutes, we're like in like like Flynn. And Margarita is the, the owner and founder of Blue Ocean Global Wealth. She's also, this is where I get very excited about, she was, was actually in 2017 um, voted or deemed, I don't know, investment news woman to watch. I really want to get into that because I'm curious, like how, how, how would someone say, Robin, I would like to watch you as a woman. I don't know, but I'm curious about that. 2019, number five as the most influential financial advisors in Investopedia, which sounds pretty amazing. And she's on the CFP board as an ambassador and also a CFP professional. So welcome Rita. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So I got to get, I got to get into that woman to watch things like and I, I should probably read more. I should know more about that. But tell me, what does that mean? Like, how does someone determine you are a woman to watch and what are they watching for? And why were they? I know you probably don't want to brag about yourself too much, but please, please, for, for the sake of the audience, tell us why you think, um, you know, they wanted to watch you. Well, sure. I can I tell you a little bit about investment news, um, investment news. Um, Suzanne Syracuse, she's no longer with investment news, but this is her legacy. She wanted to find a way to celebrate women in the financial advice profession. So every year, 20 women are um, selected as women to watch. Um, It's a way to celebrate the accomplishments of women in the financial advice profession. And to your point, sometimes we're not the best about... um, for lack of a better term, bragging or mm-hmm. um, sharing our accomplishments. So that is what investment news women to watch. It's not just about your AUM, but what are you doing for the profession? Are you taking time to help people in your community and mentor another woman in the financial advice profession? Awesome. Awesome. And I know today we really want to talk about the secret to building trust to get more ideal clients. So tell me a little about your background. And I know, you know, we talked a little about your, your diversity and not everybody's necessarily watching this. So we don't know necessarily what you look like, but we can tell from the name, like you said to me before we started recording, but tell us a little bit about like your background and how you got into this before we dive into really creating that trust with, with prospects and clients. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, with the name like Margarita Maria Chang, that I probably, um, you know, is she Asian? Is she Latina? Like, where are you from? Where is she from? So um, I can answer that. and We'll get into that. Um, so my dad was born in China and came to the U.S. by way of Taiwan. He landed in, of all places, Wisconsin. He went to grad school, got a degree in applied mathematics. And then my dad moved to New York, 90 miles north of the city where he met my mom. My mom is Irish Catholic and Eastern European. Now, what's interesting about my dad is my dad actually was came to America. He was sponsored by Catholic missionaries. So my mommy did not convert my dad to Christianity. My dad came here. He was very proud. 
I came here Catholic. Um, so growing up, I'm the eldest of three girls and those, um, stereotypes about Asians in math. Well, I got to tell you, that's true here. I'm actually really good at math. I like math. And my dad also made it his mission to teach me about personal finance. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it. My dad told me this because when he came to America, he only had $17 to his name. And Robin and our listeners, I don't care what inflation factor you use. That's not a lot of money. But he taught me a couple of things. He said, you don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. Money doesn't buy happiness, but it does give you peace of mind. And more money does give you opportunities. But whatever you do, don't squander them. So that's kind of my exposure to money. Wow. That's a great story. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's interesting though, cause you said, you know, you, the stereotype of you being good at math and you are good at math, but I think for me, I mean, I was an advisor for about 10 years and I wasn't good at math. I wasn't bad at math. But I wasn't great at math. I, I kind of tend to remember numbers. Like you're like 17 and you probably call me, you know, two years from now, I'll probably remember that number 17 weird, but I don't necessarily do math. Well, especially in front of rooms. Don't make me do math or even adding the zeros gets hard. But I think there's so there, it's so little to do with the financial aspect, especially as women that the math. And I think a lot of people think that like, Oh, I got to be good at math. I got to be good at numbers. I got to be good at the technical side of things for financial planning and, and, and financial success, where I feel like it's such a, a minor minor thing that really has nothing. And we all have calculators. Many of us have Alexas. We can add, we can, we can add, we can divide, we can, we can multiply. So, um, what, what do you feel like is so important? And, 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 uh, as far as to be successful in the financial industry, especially for women today. Sure. And it's so true. The reason why I brought that about math is sometimes people are so intimidated by the math, but you're absolutely right to be successful in this business. This is what a mentor told me. He's like, Rita, to be successful in this business, you need to know two things. I'm like, no, you actually need to know more, but okay. I'm listening. So the first thing is you need to know how to get clients, right? How to get prospects come in your door and become clients. You need to know how to do that. And you need to be comfortable with that. The other thing you need to know how to do is once these people become your clients, you need to know what to do with them and you need to be able to communicate with them. Um, you're absolutely right that so much that we do is really relationship management, but it's really about connections and conversations. And those are important to build trust because people do business with people they like and trust and it's important to just take the time to understand, you know, what brings people here today? What has been their experience? So I would say that, yes, um, that is what you need to be successful in this business. The other thing I would say is, I mean, you could say that means being a people person. Um, a lot of what I do is project management, like keeping people organized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to, so the secret, what would you say, if you had to say one thing, like, what is the secret to building trust? Cause everyone's heard that no, like, and trust you. They got to no like, and trust, no, like, and trust you. And it's kind of thrown around so much that we're like, I don't even know what that means. Like, well, I, I know they need to know, like, and trust me, but, but that could be something that just happens naturally. Cause you build really great rapport. That could be something that you can actually get skilled at and you can learn how to build trust. So what do you feel like there's a real secret to being able to build trust that you can create that relationship really quickly, as opposed to what a lot of people think is I got to be, I got to know them for six months or six years in order to build that trust. 
Sure. So I'm just going to come out and say my superpower is actually empathy. E for empathy. So CFP board, I'm a CFP pro, CFP professional certified financial planner. And, um, you know, the CFP certification, we talk a lot about the four E's. That is the education, your experience, the examination, because you do have to take that test and then ethics. Of course, all four of these E's are incredibly important, but there's another one which I think um, rounds them all out. And that is the E for empathy. Empathy, sometimes people use empathy and sympathy interchangeably. They're a little bit different. Or one would say, well, they're a lot different. Um, empathy really means seeing the world through someone else's lenses. Um, you don't necessarily have to agree with that person, but you would need to at least take the time to understand. And why is that relevant? Because when clients feel that you get them or you understand them, they're more likely to um, stay committed to their financial plan. They are more likely to be loyal, um, which is what you want. Yeah, absolutely. And not only do you want it, but that's also the key to their success, right? So there's one thing about, oh, what's the secret to building that trust so that you get clients. But ultimately what we really want, especially as women is to make a bigger impact and to have these clients get what they want. And if there's that lack of trust, or if there's the lack of empathy on your, your side, or they don't feel that they won't do what they need to do to, to make it happen, because you can only do so much. You said project management, right? Here's what you need to do. You need to get me these statements here. What you need to do, you need to save this much here. What you need to do, you need to show up and then you need to do this thing. And then I will do my part. You do your part and we'll make it happen. But if there's not the trust there, or they don't believe that you can help them, or they don't feel like you empathize with, with how they feel, they're going to not do those things and not get the result. So how do you create that? Because there's obviously, like I said earlier, like there's some people are great at that. You know, they know how to build report instantly. I think I have a pretty good ability to, to, to create report instantly. Uh, you're like, I don't know about that. Robin, my first impression of you wasn't so great. No, I'm just kidding. But, but I can build a rapport, but I, there's also a learned way to do that. Cause not everybody is just born to be able to connect with people and understand what they're going through and be able to empathize. So is there, are there tips or strategies that you recommend or that you do or a process that you use in order to create that so that you can do that every time, even if you don't necessarily, like you're meeting with someone who's completely different and, and typically it'd be very hard to see through their lens. Absolutely. So, you know what, this is the, I actually am an introvert, right? Well, sometimes I say I'm a, an ambivert. I, I, people are like, well, you're extroverted. I'm like, I can be extroverted, but I'm also very much actually um, more of an introvert. And what that means is I'm also very introspective. So the best way to do this and what works for me, and I think it will work for you, is I ask a lot of open-ended questions. If I'm not sure, I don't want to make any assumptions. So I might say, share, tell, or um, you know, invite uh, clients to have conversations. So here's an example. Um, you know, share with me. Um, some of your um, financial achievements. This gets the clients um, excited. You know, it gives them the opportunity to, you know, um, brag, boast what they're proud of. And then you affirm, you're like, you know, congratulations. You know, yes, that's amazing that you paid your student loans off in six years. You're not patronizing, but you are affirming what they are proud of. Um, and then you ask another question, you know, um, what type of help are you specifically looking for in a financial planner? And 
when we're working together, you know, um, fast forward, how would you define success personally, professionally, and financially? So you get them to open up to find out what they value. And I think that's key because at the end of the day, I know that we all want to reach our goals and dreams. The process may be a little bit different and the way in which we get there and the conversations. But to your point, Robin, at the end of the day, they want to reach their goals. And when they reach their goals, they are feeling really um, accomplished and empowered. That's so true. And I like that you have very specific questions. I'm sure you have a ton of them, but it sounds like those are kind of go-to questions that, you know, you can start to get someone to uncover like how they're feeling and what's important to them. And I typically ask very simple questions like that, like, well, what's important to you about creating wealth and, and growing your money. But that same type of idea of, of creating those open-ended questions and letting them explain and from their eyes, like you said, from their, their lens of what that means to them. And I think one of the, one of the things I teach is when they ask one, well, what's important to you about money or finances or creating wealth? I usually like to go with the result, like creating wealth or having financial freedom or whatever it is that they, they might say, cause I like to use their words. And typically when people first start, they'll tell you what they want, but also what they either have already or what they expect to have based on what they're currently doing, right? What they're on track for. And so it takes a little bit of digging to really get them because they don't even know, right? They don't even know what they want. They don't know what that means. Um, but to get them to uncover what they really want and what that means to them. I'll, I'll give you an example because I this came up in one of my coaching calls actually yesterday. Um, this actually came up multiple times recently where one of my clients said, Oh, I was talking to a prospect and, and, you know, they said, I need to, he said, what do you want? And they were like, I want a million dollars, you know, like this is this magic number. And they're like, and I, and, and this woman who I was, this, my client says, this woman I was talking to, she says, I want, I want a million dollars and I'm on track. I'm 175,000 away. And she's like, well, when do you want to retire? And she said, well, whenever I get that million dollars. And my client was like, okay. And she's like probably two to three years, but I think I'll have it in two to three years, two to three years. So she's like, like, that's kind of where they stopped. Like she didn't know, my client didn't know how to get beyond that because she kind of felt confident. I'm going to reach that goal. She thought that magic number was a million dollars. And um, my client, Lisa was like, I, I don't, I don't know where to dig from there. I don't know where to go from there. I don't know how to get her to open up and to, to also, you know, to create that trust so that I can, I can see if there's a fit here because she kind of is, she wants to talk to me, but there's not a lot of leverage. It seems like she's kind of like in the all set, right? Like she's got it handled. Um, and so I, I started to go off on a tangent and I was like, I mean, in regards to this, but I was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And that like a million dollars is this magic number because a million dollars, like what if there's a, you know, a woman who has 50, who's 55 years old and she says, I need a million dollars. And, and, and let's just say she gets it by 56 years old. And there's a woman who's, who's 76 years old and it takes her till she's 80 to get that million dollars. Who's better off. You would think the woman who's like on it, right. She's got a million dollars first. Like she's only 56 years old, but Holy cow, she's got her life ahead ahead of her where she needs to now pay for the rest of her life and a lot more years than someone who's 80 years old with a million bucks. And, and, and not only that, that's totally, totally different ages, but at the same time, what, what if this person at 55, like 
what is she going to do with it? It has everything to do with what she wants that money to buy. What is that like going to be vacations going to be grandkids? Is it going to be like all those things that you need to get to, to understand whether or not that magic number is a real number or not. And mostly it's just, there's probably 1% of the world that actually needs that exact amount. Right. So I think it's so, so funny, but that just brings me back to what you're saying in regards to I think of it as depth, right? Going deep and understanding what that means to them and being willing to ask those questions. And, and some people feel like they're, they're pushing or they're like maybe going a little bit too far by, by trying to get to the root of what they really want or the root of their problem. But I always say, well, it's crazy. Like, how can you, how can you have those conversations and, and then, and then say that you can help them when you don't even know exactly what they want. And there's no way that that, that million dollars or that $10 million means the same thing to, to, to different people. Right. So how do you ever have any, anything holding you back where you're afraid to ask? Cause have you had in the past or maybe, whoops, sorry, but had in the past where you, you were afraid to ask something or afraid to dig deep, or you felt like you didn't want to step on their toes. Like, did you have any Cause I know that happens with a lot of the women that I work with. They, they lack the confidence or they're, they're not clear. They're not sure. When can I say this? I don't want to, I don't want to pride too much. So do you have any experience with that where you've had to overcome some of those um, just points of, of maybe lack of confidence or uncertainty in your part to ask those questions? Sure. So he, I mean, I have experienced, and of course I would be lying if I said I've never experienced this, but here's how I approach it. So when I and with a prospect or a client, and I'm not sure if um, something, I say exactly this. Um, the more I know, the more I can help you. If I ask you a question and you're not uncomfortable, don't worry, you don't have to answer it. And if you don't know the answer, that is okay too. I think those three sentences are really helpful. Um, the other thing that I think is also important that I do is um, I tell people, you know, your goals can evolve just as much as you do. That kind of takes the pressure off. And then another um, tip that I share is, you know, retirement means different things to different people. What does it mean to you? That's the retirement question. College, you know, everybody has a different experience. If you are comfortable, do you mind sharing your experience with college? I haven't said anything. I asked the question and they'll open up. Um, if you have a couple and they think differently, that's fine too. They're talking and that's what you want because not talking about it does not mean that the problem is going to go away. And I have not brought it up in a confrontational manner. The last thing that I want to share with everyone is I read this book. It's called HDR, Honest, Direct and Respectful. And I always tell clients, I'm going to be candid and honest with you. Sometimes I may not be that direct. And if I'm not that direct, it's because I want to be respectful, right? And so it's this balancing act. So I, if you're not on track to retire and you want to retire when you're 57, sure, I could say, yeah, go for it. But I haven't been honest. Um, if you do want to retire when you're 57, it would be disrespectful to me to say, no, you can't do that. A better response is, hey, based on your financial plan and what you're spending in D.C. Metro, it may not be appropriate for you to stop working entirely at age 57 because um, that is you are not going to be able to have the sustainable withdrawal rate you need. However, if you can um, reduce your spending by a third, we can make this happen. 
So I never told the client they could not retire. I gave them guidelines. And then I said, you know what? You have six to 12 months to kind of travel and figure out where you want to retire. And Robin, this is a beautiful story because it wasn't me telling them what to do. It was me guiding them. And guess what? They were able to retire when they were 58 on their terms. Nice. That's awesome. I feel like one of your strategies that um, you might not be aware of is that you are hypnotizing people. Do you know that? I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) I say that because like your voice is very hypnotic and I can't imagine anyone disagreeing with you in any way because you're so sweet. There's so much love, but I think that goes with the theme of what you're talking about with that empathy is that even the way that you talk and like the, like, that's not how I typically talk. Right. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm hardcore. Like I'm I'm go, 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 go. And then that was like the one point where you kind of got excited and you know, you had, you raised your voice, but there's so much tenderness and sweetness to your voice. It's like kind of hypnotic. Like I just trust you. And I think that's actually, it's a good lesson for me as well. I I mean, I, I, I know a lot about rapport and, and, and kind of matching and mirroring and how people talk and that sort of thing. Um, but there's, a lot of people feel a lot of pressure when it comes to, like you said, making financial decisions. And you took the pressure off, you know, with that question, just saying like, if you don't know, that's okay. And this is a work in progress and however you said it. And, but I think it's also, there's, there's very, there's something very calming about that. And I think that that's a good takeaway as well to, to make them feel like it's okay and slow down the conversation sometimes, especially if you start to notice from their end, and it depends who you're talking to, of course, but if you notice from their end, there's fear and there's hesitation and there's uncertainty and to just pace with them and make them feel comfortable. Like that's what I was saying. You, you have this hypnosis to you that it's just like, I, tr- you will trust me. Okay. Rita, I trust whatever you say, look into my eyes. Okay. I'm, I'm basically, maybe it's because I had an overnight flight last night, or maybe it's because it's true. No, but I, I think that's really interesting as well because it's, it's a very calming effect and, and, my guess is just based on that story because you got excited and you shifted that is that as the conversation changes, you kind of, you go with that. Um, but I think a, a lot of women I talk to, they, there's that lack of confidence. There's that uncertainty about what to say. And, and this woman I was just mentioning, Lisa, who, you know, she was asking me, how do I get deeper? Like, cause I really want to help this person. I just don't know what to ask. I don't know where to go from there. And um, I, I, I said to her, I said, well, what do you think? Um, like, what do you truly think about like this woman thinking she needs a million dollars and she's just going to retire when she gets there, whether it's two years, five years, seven years, like whenever she gets that million dollars, she's set. And I said, what do you think about that? And she said, well, it depends on what she wants. I have no idea if that's going to be enough for her or not. And I said, well, why didn't you say that? You know, it's because she got scared. She thought, I don't want to overstep. I don't know if I have permission to say that. And I think there's so much also to, to being willing to tell the truth. And I like that. You said, what is it? H what is it? HDR? HDR. Honestly, sure. So HDR, this is a quick read. So you want to be honest, Honest. direct and respectful. And I tell people, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I might not be as direct because I don't want to be disrespectful. Right. But HDR. That's good. That's good. So I I like that because I think it's, it goes back to us as, as women and our natural tendency tendencies to, to be empathetic and to care and to see other people's perspectives without judgment. And we don't, our biggest fear, you know, typically women is, is judgment. And so we're afraid, like, I don't want to be direct. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if I should be 
honest because it might hurt their feelings. And, and obviously you want to, I think everyone's going to agree to be respectful, but I think the most respectful thing is to tell someone the truth and to be direct about it and tell them what you think. And sometimes you don't say it, meaning you, the listeners, you out there, you're not saying those things because you're afraid of the judgment. You're afraid they're going to think, Oh, you're overstepping. You shouldn't say that. Or, or what do you know? Lisa was kind of saying, well, what do I know? Maybe I don't know. And I say, then say that, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not saying I'm right on this, but what I see from my perspective is this. And my concern is that if at, at you know, 57, if you're, if you continue to, to live the way you're living and spend the way you're spending, like, yes, you can retire, but then you're going back to work three years later, baby. You know, so that's not what you want. So let's figure it out. But here's the other option. Like you said, so I love that. I love the options. I love choices. Um, I did a lot of money coaching when I was a financial advisor and one of my biggest promises was, was around choices because people would come to me. I was living in the Silicon Valley and they were making really good money, but they were really good at spending it. And so they were often like their, their biggest issues were more habit based and but I, I would start to get them to look at their money and, and actually just have clarity, actually created a, a system called Kim Jim, which is know your money to grow your money. So when they knew their money, they knew what they were doing. The, the real, the, the real result of that was having choices and to be able to give someone that power, like you absolutely can have that. And actually I'll give you, tell you one more story that, that reminds me of that. Um, do you know who Mel Robbins is? Okay. So Mel Robbins, if you, if y'all haven't heard of her, she's amazing. Uh, everybody should look her up. I was trying to get her on this podcast, but um, I actually interviewed her years ago. It was 2000 and I think 13, the end of 2013. And I was, I was, um, writing a book about money parenting, which I created this thing called money parenting, how to raise financially, financially responsible kids by leading by example. And so I asked if I can interview her for the book. She was amazing. She said, yes, I interviewed her. And I remember this point where she said, you know, my daughter's coming to me and she's in high school at this stage. And she says, mom, I need a computer. I want a computer. I need to buy, you know, buy me a computer. And Mel's like, you know, honey, we can't afford that. And I totally complete, I mean, Mel Robbins at the time, she had 5 million views on this Ted talk. Now it's like 25 million, but the time she still, I mean, she was big. And I said, I said, that's a lie. I mean, I called Mel Robbins on her shit. You know, I said, that's <laughs> not true. And she said, what do you mean? Like we can't afford it. And I said, Mel, you can stop paying the mortgage. You can stop eating. You can, like, there, and you can buy a freaking computer. Like, you, you know, you, there's a lot of things you could do and it is a choice. And I, I wasn't saying it to judge her. I was saying it to reframe her on the fact that like everything is a choice. And when we are able to make these choices, as opposed to, you know, feeling like we're defaulting to paying the bills or credit cards or, or the mortgage or all these things, those were choices. It just so happened that it was from a decision we made five years back and it's affecting us now, which is why it's so important to what you do as being a financial advisor to make the right decision now. So it doesn't affect us negatively in five years. But I think that comes back to those choices and empowering them allowing them to have these choices and, and giving that autonomy to make those choices is extremely powerful. Um, anything, anything to add about that? I, I'm just kind of, I'm going off, but I, I, I'm sure you have some good stuff to add. Well, I mean, I, I wanted to go back to what you had mentioned about the million dollars. Like I don't want to, you know, s step on anybody's toes instead of saying, why did you pick a million? You could say, you know, how, how did you, determine that number was appropriate for you. How questions are so much better than why, because why you kind of put someone in the defense. If you ask how you're probably still going to get the answer you want, but I love how, you know, how did you realize that number was right for you? Which also reminds me is 
some of my friends, they'll call me. They're not clients. They'll be like, when can I retire? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, are you a certified financial planner? Why can't you help me? I'm like, well, it depends. Like, how much money do you want to spend? Where do you want to retire? These are all really important questions. Now, you know, this girl's at math and good at math. I have the HP12C app on my phone, but I don't know if you're on track to retire because I don't know what you want to do. Right. That's awesome. That's such a simple distinction. Like that's so good because so like so many clients come to me and they're like, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? Well, what if you just say, how did you come to that? How did you determine that? What makes you, you know, what, what made you decide that that's what you need? Like those sort of questions. But I think like I can get really granular about how to ask questions in the specific way and, you know, have all these systems and that sort of thing. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, it's, it's, it's this, this, the little things like making those little tweaks and going from why to how. And I, and I, and I actually think that's really, really great because again, like I said, I think women's number one fear is that fear of judgment. And if the, there's a woman sitting across the table from you and you'd love to work with, you know, you could help her and you ask her, you know, why do you think that? Or, or like, I would probably cast rocks at the enemies and say like, who told you that, <laughs> you know, who okay, had to, you know, but I kind of think of the same thing. Like, how'd you come up with that number? Like, where, where did that come from? Um, but they, they'll get on the defensive and feel judged. And so being able to just be really inquisitive and really curious and truly aligned with them, going back to the the empathy, aligned with what they want and to help them figure it out, I think is just, just really, really valuable. That's great. Um, I want to go back actually to, I asked you kind of uh, like challenges that you had or, or experiences you had. You said, of course I had experiences, but can you think, I like, I like the listeners to be able to hear like your struggles because it's like, I come on and I'm bragging about you and you're, you know, woman to watch and you're, you know, number five voted in investopedia. Like who does that? Right. And, and, and no one will believe what you had to go through to get there. And I know you told us a little about your family, but what, what, before we kind of sign off here in the next few minutes, like what, challenges you have, especially as a woman, as you know, with different diversity and different background, all these things. So, so what specific, can you remember specific times where you felt really like maybe you wanted to give up, you wanted to quit, you wanted to throw in the towel, you wanted to like this happened and, and, and you didn't think you'd make it because I know a lot of women listening have gone through that or are going through that. And I want to make sure they stay in the industry so we can have that impact here and increase the footprint of women in the industry. That means don't leave, don't leave the industry. So we need to have you successful. So, so give me some, give us some stories around that. I absolutely can. So, you know, when I first started in the financial advice profession, my daughter was three. My son was six months old. I didn't see anybody who looked like me. I'm not just talking about gender, race, and this knee. I didn't see any young moms. Having said that, um, I knew that it was going to be a formidable challenge to prove to others that I could be successful. And I did think about quitting and I'll tell you why I thought about quitting and how I solved it. Don't worry, this is fast and furious. So the sales manager set me aside and said, Rita, you know, you are technically sharp. Of course, I knew I was sharp. Like, come on. Like, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I started out on the engineering track in college. Of course, I'm smart. He said, you know, Rita, you're technically smart, but you're a lousy financial advisor. You spend too much time asking questions, listening to clients, and you don't know how to sell. You might want to think about something else. 
Now, Robin, during this time, I didn't like cry. I didn't scream. I was like silence. I didn't know what to say. I was horrified because this is the same advisor that built her business. The first year I acquired 33 clients, 31 were from cold calls, 32 was my girlfriend and 33 was my dad. I knew how to bring people in the door. So the fact that he told me I was a lousy financial advisor, I was just speechless. But then I realized, you know what? He's right. We can both be right. For the type of clients that he wants to bring on, I'm lousy. But for the type of people that I want to bring on, we, we are doing financial planning and we are taking the time to understand who they are. I am the perfect financial advisor. So the conclusion is he can be right. I can be right. And I want everyone to know if you do hit a wall, sometimes what people may perceive to be your biggest weakness is actually your superpower. Wow. That's powerful. How did you have that perspective? Because I mean, it reminds, I keep now it's playing in my head, like I get knocked down, but I get up again. You know, that song, it's like, it's like you got knocked down, but you got right back up really quickly. Like, how is it that, cause I'm right now, I have a pretty thick skin. Like a lot of my clients and people I'm speaking, I'm coaching, I do a lot of stuff in kind of the public eye and people think like, oh, you know, she has thick skin. But the truth is when, when something stings, it still stings. Like if someone says something negative or someone says, I mean, I don't care too much about negative comments, but it still affects me because I'm a human being and I'm a woman and I still care about judgment and all those things. But the perspective I have now is that it's, I always choose impact over fear every time. And I know my goal, it's a very, very strong goal and mission to increase the footprint of women in the industry, to have it equitable, to have it 50% of women in the industry. Like that is a huge, huge, crazy undertaking, but I can't let little things like people not liking me knock me down, but that took a lot of time for me to get to. And a lot of, you know, maybe people not always liking me and that sort of thing. And, um, and I'm now at a point where it still stings, but I don't care because my mission is bigger than me. It's beyond me. It's beyond what, how I feel as a human. So what, what created that for you? Because that is, it's not, not everyone feels that way. It's like that could have taken someone completely out of the industry. And I'm sure there are people that almost left the industry with similar, um, similar experiences like that. And some people who did leave the industry because someone has an opinion and someone says you suck or boo or, or you're not good enough. And then peace out, like, like bury their, their, their head in, you know, uh, in the sand or, or, and hide or run away. So how did you have that perspective to be confident enough to say, you know what, he has his opinion. I have mine and we can be both be right. Cause I would be like, screw you, man. So sure. And you know what? I love what you said about my voice being calm. I mean, sure. I'm going to come clean. You know, my kids may listen to this. I yell at them, but I try not to get too high. I try not to get too low. Um, I am calm. Like I don't have high blood pressure. Like, I mean, even when I was nine months pregnant, like my blood pressure was always textbook. Perfect. Right. I'm very even keeled. So how did I handle that? Um, well, I mean, I know I was I didn't, like I said, I didn't shout. I didn't cry. I was just silent, but I felt sick. When I mean sick, I went outside and I threw up. I had like a horrible headache. I'm like, what am I going to do? But I came back to my why. 
And I was like, why did I become a planner? I became a planner because I wanted to change the conversations about wealth. I truly believe financial planning transforms lives. And then I thought about the clients that hired me and said to my face, Rita, it's so different with you. We were scared to hire a planner. We feel that working with you has not just made a positive impact in our financial lives. We worry less. That was my why. And when times are tough, I, I go back to my why. But yeah, it was it was devastating. Um, you know, I kind of hid that I had headaches, um, you know, because it was so debilitating for me. I mean, I had, you know, how tired you are when you do you young kids. I mean, I would go to every phone session. I would do a really good job because I am good on the phones. I have good pacing in my voice. And I was like, the fact that he said this to me, like I, I was devastated, but I was like, you know what? Um, it's okay. I hit reset. That's amazing. I'm so glad you told me that because these are the details I think are so interesting. It's like, and, and it's, and it's so easy for me to picture that, like you going outside and throwing, no, no, not that, that sounds disgusting, but, but I just think that's like so real. And I appreciate you being vulnerable and real with me because I think like everyone has a different type of physiological experience. I was talking, believe it or not, I was talking about my brand yesterday with um, someone about my website and rebranding. And like, I was recognizing, I'm like, oh my God, like I had to take off my sweater. I was like my, my, I was super nervous in my belly. Like I, I didn't throw up, but my physiological response was like, and I said it out loud to this guy who's kind of helping me around it. And I'm like, this is why I haven't gotten it done because I have anxiety around this. This is really interesting that this is my response about it. And, and it's, it's like that, that again, from my client's perspective, I think they would be like, really, you, you, you have, and I don't, don't think of myself as like having anxiety, but like, it almost felt like, like borderline panic attack, you know, just because I felt like I was going to make the wrong decision or, or I didn't want people to judge me or, or I didn't want it to turn out like to, to be the wrong thing. And so I think it's really great for us, especially women to be vulnerable and say like, yeah, I went outside and I, I puked my guts out, man. <laughs> Not that you said it like that, but like that you, and then you have this physiological response to it because it's hard to, to have someone uh, disagree with you, but I love what you said. And this is a great way to kind of transition this as we tell people how to find you is the why, you know, I tell my clients this as well. It's like when they, that when the phone feels like it's a hundred pounds and they can't pick that up to call, it's because they, they feel like they don't know what to say, or they don't know how it's going to be perceived, or they feel like someone's going to be mad at them. They're bothering them. So there's, there's a reason. And it all comes back to the fact that, oh my gosh, what is someone going to think about me when I'm not good enough and, and they're not going to like me and I'm going to, but it's not actually about bothering them. Like you're worried about them. It's about the judgment of when they feel like you're bothering them. You feel like you did something wrong and then you're feeling judged. And what I tell them to do is like, don't pick up that phone yet, but stay there for a minute and just go back to your why. Why are you doing that? And I want you to imagine the person on the other side of the phone and the, then fast forward to you working with that person. And, and let's say it's a woman, it's her life is completely transformed because you picked up that phone. And even though you were scared of the judgment, you were scared of what she said, you didn't want to bother her, all those things. You, you became the leader. You took the step. You were willing to step outside your comfort zone. You took the risk in order to serve, even at the risk of being judged or someone not liking you. And even though it's just a phone call that completely transformed her life for the rest of her life and her kids' lives and her grandkids' life and all these things. And like, whoa, you know, we start to think about that. It's like, okay, it doesn't seem so bad to pick up the phone. 
And it's similar, you know, you had someone like give you every reason why you should quit and you're not good enough. And someone who's a supervisor above you is telling you this and to a point where you go and outside and puke. <laughs> and then you, you know what? You're like, you know what? I know something inside of me. I'm strong enough to know that I have value here. And the right person is going to love me, baby. And going to think, wow, I can change their life. And I will. And darn it. Like, I don't care what you say, dude, think what you want to think, but like, I'm going to go serve. And when it comes back to you, not focusing on you and how people are going to think of you and you just focus on serving and who that person is, or you're going to help and you go freaking help them. Everything changes. Everything changes. I love that. So tell them anything to add and then where to find you. Cause you're awesome. This has been amazing. I love it. And, and luckily you're, you're no longer putting me to sleep, but I think you've gotten me calm enough that I can go take a nap. After this. Catch up. Well, sure. No, I thought it was just important to be candid with um, listeners that yes, empathy is my superpower, but I almost got fired for my superpower. And even though it was horrible going outside and throwing up, um, I purged those, my body had to purge those negative thoughts. Um, so that I think is what's constructive. Um, people can find me on LinkedIn, on Margarita Chang. Um, Twitter, Blue Ocean, GW, or my website, blueoceanglobalwealth.com. Awesome. Awesome. Is there any last thing you would just give? I mean, you had so much great, great nuggets in there and great advice, but any last like thing to tell, tell these ladies, what, what advice you might give them? Remember your superpower. Awesome. Simple, easy, good. Check out Margarita Rita Chang. And thank you so much. This has been amazing. And those of you listening, we will see you next time. Thanks again. And bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.